0: The opinions and views expressed in this program do not reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents. To find out more about this talk show or other talk shows broadcasting on KUCI, log on to our website at KUCI.org or check out the latest program guide.
1: Hello, Orange County. You're listening to KUCI 88.9 FM and and streaming online at KUCI.org.
2: Broadcasting underground music and talk for the University of California, Irvine campus since 1969. Why don't you like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter? The URLs are
1: facebook.com slash KUCIFM and twitter.com slash KUCIFM. All right, baby. My darling, I can't get enough of your love, baby. I don't know, I don't know why. I can't get enough of your love, baby. Oh,
2: yeah. You're listening to Get the Out. You're listening to Get the Out. Yo, you're listening to Get the Out. You're listening to Get the Out. What's up? You're listening to Get the Out. Yo! You're listening to Get the Out. You're listening to Get the Out. Uh, excuse me, it's Get the Funk Out. Right here on KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine every Monday at 9. For more information on the show, you can visit the show blog at getthefunkoutshow.kuci.org. That's right, Get the Funk Out. All right, enough already. I get it. Happy Monday, everybody. I'm your host, Janine. This is Get the Funk Out. Hope you're getting your groove on. That was a nice one from Brazilian groove band Bandanera. And uh, that was off Putumayo. I love their series, by the way. Okay, so two great guests on this morning first up I have a very special guests Julian Swartz and Ken Landauer they have called in from New York and we're gonna talk about their art exhibit miracle report where they share dozens of people using short vignettes to share stories of extraordinary experiences and uh, they're gonna come on in just a moment and then at 930 I have Kirsten Rogers calling in the founder of ChemoBites. And if you miss any part of the show, you have to cut out, you've got to run to work, or got things going on this morning. Everything will be up on my blog, which is, which is getthefunkoutshow.kuci.org. My pleasure to welcome to this week's show, Julianne Swartz and Ken Landauer. Hi, good morning. Good morning. Thanks. Hi there. Hi, thanks for joining us. Sure.
0: Th- thanks for having us.
2: I read a really interesting article about you. I decided to reach out to you in the February 5th edition of the OC Register about miracle reports and i I thought, you know, this is a very unique exhibit. I wanted to find out what ex- inspired you to create this?
0: Well, the short answer is our daughter inspired us. Um, and it was really her it was her birth mm-hmm. that we had wanted to have a baby for a long time before she showed up. Okay. and there were so many disappointments along the way that when she finally was born, it felt like a huge miracle. And then also on top of that, just getting to know her and her who she is seem really miraculous, and then we started so we started thinking about it and then we started being curious about miracles in other people's lives mm-hmm. and that's really what initiated the process is curiosity
2: it is very it's pretty incredible incredible i'm I'm a parent and uh, having a child it changes you completely you can't even imagine yeah. No.
3: yeah, and also that it you know it's a fairly mundane thing, and that uh, we could think of such a mundane thing as miraculous, and um, you know probably why it was miraculous to us or why it, I, I mean I guess it 's miraculous all the time, but mm-hmm. particularly through the adversity sure uh, that made it feel particularly so, and just the idea that actually the miraculous or people 's perception of the miraculous is is um, you know it 's always happening in people 's lives and, and and, you know, how, how, do you, how do you recognize it or how do you explain it?
2: Yes. Now, before we get into this, uh, Julianne, could you just share a little bit about your background?
3: Yes. I'm, an, I'm a sculptor and installation artist, and I often use F&U sound in my work, um, but really I use all, all, many different mediums, and um, I've exhibited my work in a lot of different places all, all over the world.
2: I see the Israel Museum, uh, Sculptor Center, the New Museum of Contemporary Art, the Highline. You're, you're based in New York City, is that correct?
3: I'm based in upstate New York. Oh, upstate I New York. I teach at Bard College, so mm-hmm. I'm based near there. And, um, but I do exhibit, yeah, uh, in different places. Use, uh, right now I have a, an exhibit up at the Indianapolis Museum of Art, a, a kind of... Um, a survey exhibit of about 15 years of work.
2: What made you go into this line of work? Is this something you always wanted to do?
3: I started... uh, Actually, no. It was something that, as a child, I absolutely didn't want to do because my Uh mom was an artist. Oh. And, um, but it just felt like what I needed to do. It it was the best way I knew to communicate. Mm -hmm. I mean, it it was... And... um, and now I feel like this is what I have to be doing.
2: That's
0: great. You know, there's
3: no question.
2: Yes. Now, Ken, what about you? W- tell me about your background.
0: Well, my, I am a sculptor of sorts. My work often goes between sculpture, furniture, and architecture. I'm mm-hmm. interested in all three, and I try to bring them all together. Um, and I think what I have in common with Julianne is we're trying, we think of our work as communication, and we think of our work very publicly. Um, I work more often than not in public space. Julianne works more in galleries and museums. Um, and what we, I think what we, one of the things we try to do is to surprise people and to talk about maybe difficult issues in a way that is accessible. So I use humor a lot in my work. Oh, that's good. Um, and Julianne uses just like unusual methods, and I like using sound or having um, voices directed at you from, undir- from unpredictable places, and then I use yeah, humor and novelty in my work. I think maybe that's something that we have in common with you, is like trying to figure out how to address difficult issues in a way that people will accept. Yes. You know, if you, I guess you know this, like if you walk up to someone and say, Hi, I'm Janine, and I want to talk to you about death and cancer. Right. (laughs) Most people will say, you know, I really got to go do my laundry. You know, like they don't want to engage on that level. But if you can do it through uh, other means, humor, Mm -hmm. or in the case of miracles, we do it um, by uh, kind of acknowledging that there's something, there's like a positive end to the story.
1: Mm
0: -hmm. When you're talking about miracles, you're talking about something positive, and that makes people more likely to engage in it. Oh, no. Yes. Is good. that
2: how the two of you met, is through your art?
3: It is, yes. I, I had seen Ken's art and really responded to it, and that, that is how we met, actually. And then, uh, same thing. First, I saw his art, and we had a strong connection. And then about 12 years later, he saw my art, and we had a strong connection. So, yes, that is that is how we met.
0: But there was a 12-year lag time in between.
3: Well, you and really take your time. we just barely cross paths. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs>
0: yeah. I guess the timing has to be right.
3: Yes.
2: Yes. Maybe
0: that's another fact of miracles. Like there's, there's something about timing and, I don't know, the larger world has to come into things.
2: Yeah. Well, you know, it's almost like uh, yeah, I've been working on a screenplay, which seems like forever. And sometimes when you take some time, it, things become better and clearer and you get a greater grasp of the story.
0: Uh-huh. You know? Yeah, or maybe just more of the story has to develop before some events happen, like us getting together. I think both of us had to live for those 12 years and do our thing mm-hmm. before we were ready.
2: Yes. No, I understand that. I can relate to that. So when you, was it, both of you came to the conclusion that you should do this miracle report? Or did one of you say, oh, yeah, I got this idea?
3: Well, the idea to, in in it was initially my idea to interview people about, their own miracles, Mm -hmm. and then it was Ken's input on how we should do it. Um, So the idea of uh, just filming the hands and using the natural light to focus the natural light on the hands was his idea, and to have the hand gesturing as a way to preserve anonymity, because I was going to do it probably just in audio. My background is in audio and not at all in video. I've never... Use video before, so it was his idea to have the hands represent the person, I and like to have that. the gesticulation
0: um, be the be the being mm-hmm. to preserve on anonymity. Well, idea also came because we had a hu- huge space to fill, like the one at the um, Grand Art Central Art Center. Yes. and um, instead of trying to fill it, I thought we could do the opposite make it seem as giant and vast as possible. And darkness does that. So we darken the whole gallery, and then there's just really little spots of light coming off the hands that illuminate it. So it seems really big, and I think that also left or leaves a space for the viewer's imagination. Like, you can project whatever you want into darkness.
2: Could you actually share some of these uh, miracles, some of these stories with our listeners?
0: Oh, there are so many amazing stories.
2: Some of the specific stories? Yeah, just maybe a few that come to mind. I know so well, many.
3: We, we interviewed, uh, I think in total, about 73 people. And mm-hmm. the stories were very, very diverse and personal. And you know, some of the details, some of the stories I remember, well, the ages of the participants varied from, I think, maybe 12 was the youngest. And the oldest, I think, was probably 80s. And there was story of an elderly couple they wanted to be interviewed together so it's their two hands oh, their nice. four hands together and it's the story of them meeting after they had both lost their former spouses and they you know met each other in their early 80s or something and felt like it was such a miracle that they had you know the rest of their time together that was one story um, there was a story of a um, man who was now a journalist who was a former gang member in Los Angeles and he um, spoke of an incident where he uh, was playing Russian roulette with a friend uh, no no he thought he had he thought he had an, empty he had gun. an empty gun that's right oh. he thought he'd he,
0: taken the clip out
3: he'd okay. taken the clip out he thought the gun was empty and he was you know they were just playing um, and he pointed the Gun at his friend's head, oh and gosh. started to pull the trigger, thinking the gun was empty. Mm-hmm. And then a voice in his head said, "Don't do that." So, "What? No, what?" It, yeah,
0: it said, "It said move the gun over." And so he moved it away from his friend's head, and he pulled the trigger, and the gun went off with a bang because there was still one bullet in the chamber. And he would have, he would have killed his friend if he hadn't listened to that voice. Oh,
1: that's
0: awful. Um, and, yeah, it's awful, and then it is also. For him, it was a story about how he started listening to this little voice. He started to have this voice that led him out of the gangs and then led him into journalism. And now he's doing social work in Phoenix, and he's really an amazing,
3: amazing man, person. really amazing. Man. And, if,
0: and he attributed it to listening to this little voice. So he was coming from this gangbanger background, and then he found his way to helping other people and doing social work and. He was a journalist for many years. It's really an amazing an story. story. He had a lot of stories. Yes, and then we also had stories from the other perspective, like some a girl who was on her porch, and then some uh, guys like shot at them, and the bullets somehow rained like all around her. She was holding her little sister, her baby mm. sister, oh. and the bullets like all seemed to hit the ground like around their feet, mm-hmm. and none of them. She were she hit. talked
3: about herself. She talked about. Hearing the bullets hit the ground and feeling as though there was a um, like a, a glass wall around her, and and feeling them rain, you know, feeling them go all around her but not hitting her. Or her
1: how face.
2: scary! Ugh.
3: That was an amazing story. There was a, a young girl who talked about um, quitting heroin mm-hmm. and how that was, you know, how that just one day she woke up. Decided that she just, you know, if she didn't do this. She was going to die, and she did it. And she was, I think, she was about fifteen.
0: <sighs> yeah. So and there were there's such a range of stories. I, I sort of don't feel a place to tell them because it's so much more moving to hear the people tell their stories. But yes. and we also had people who didn't believe in miracles. One guy came because he thought it was his job to tell everyone that it was a mistake to believe in miracles and that they shouldn't. He he was actually probably he scared me a little bit. I okay.
3: do blame, blame you. And there was, you know, there also there's such a range of stories. Like we just conveyed some of the more dramatic ones, but there was also, you know, a kid who lost his dog, and then the dog was returned to him, and that was his miracle. You know, the 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 uh, the range of the stories was so great. Or oh, and there was a little a, a girl who talked about butterflies on her aunt's casket, and her aunt loved butterflies, oh. and that was. You know, just, all, so just the range of, um, I mean, the range of,
0: of the stories is very yes. diverse.
2: Yes. Why do you think the tragic and the miraculous are so intertwined?
0: I think maybe because really we don't appreciate what we have until it's threatened. Mm-hmm. So like if I said to you, it's a miracle I have my feet, you would immediately think, that I must have almost lost them, right? I mean, I can be grateful for my feet. I could. Yes. I'm not really because I just take them for granted. But if they're threatened, then, I, then once that threat is gone and I'm, say, able to keep them, then I'm grateful for it. I think in some ways the miraculous is really about, it can be about gratitude. Mm-hmm. You know, like some people are just glad to be alive. You know, it's a fact that we take for granted so much. Yes. But if their life is threatened, then... Um, they're grateful for it. I think those things are, I think they're inextricably intertwined.
2: You know, it's interesting. I'm listening to the two of you. I I want to interrupt one second, excuse me. And I'm thinking as I've gotten older, you know, the whole theme of my show is get the funk out. But I am, I do have a sense of more gratitude when I hear stories of people. I've had uh, friends die. I've had people I know go through cancer and I've had my, definitely my own chair of of funks and ups and downs and I'm I feel so thankful you know as I've gotten older
0: yeah well that's I think one of the great things I've seen about your show it seems like you want to you address these things like as a culture we don't want to talk about death but somehow you manage to do it and then when we keep that in mind I and mean, I guess that's a Buddhist thing right and some other Eastern religions like I if you so. keep death in mind then you can find gratitude for a lot
3: well, that you can experience life in a fuller way if you if you kind of realize the finiteness yes. of it. Yes, I mean I think that the what we're talking about, like what, what we're calling miracles here, what they're calling, what the people we, you know, we're not we're not saying what a miracle is. We're do, we're doing the report. Mm-hmm. We're trying to this is an investigation, and yeah. we're trying to um, define it or or define around it by getting people offer their experiences and i think that the experiences people offered for this project were things that um jolted them out of their regularity like jolted them out of their regular lives and yes. i think that jolt does require a certain amount of force and that force could be um tragedy or mm-hmm. adversity or um fear, you know, whatever, that, that, that it requires a certain amount of force to jolt you out of the regular. And, um, yeah, I think that's kind of... Let me ask you, when, while that. you were,
2: you know, watching all these interviews, did you have a feeling of, wow, I could get up there and share my own story?
3: Did well, you, I would hope that that would be one response that people might feel mm-hmm. in, the, in, in receiving the stories, that you... Feel connected to the uh, candidness yes. that this this person is telling you something intimate and mm-hmm. something real, and that you feel like then you could meet that with your own candidness. Yes. Um, and the you know I I do we we did really stress the diversity of types of stories, mm-hmm. um, so that there's no there's like there's no hierarchy necessarily. It's not like the ones that are more dramatic are more important. In the in the installation, there's not a hierarchy. That's good. The, the you know, the, there's, a,
0: well, no hierarchy. There's little ones and there's big ones. And then we also made an effort to try to interview different communities. Like we went, we interviewed a lot of school kids, and we went to the very most privileged and wealthiest school in Phoenix, and we also went to the most challenged and underprivileged school in Phoenix. And we have kids from both of us. And then, and there are surprises from both ends. Like, there was no way to stereotype or to predict what someone was going to say when they came up there and they um, spoke.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Good range of, of people you talked to. Yeah.
3: Yeah, it was a very wide range of people. And we had, you know, we were working with the Arizona State University Museum to mm-hmm. do the initial project. And um, they really helped us with outreach. So we um, we did a lot of outreach to get volunteers. But basically, the population we did interview was self-selecting in that they, you know, said we have a story to tell. We we gave them the the context, and then they
0: volunteered their story. That's great. We also talked to academics there. We talked to a philosopher who I felt like identified who. Defined it better than anybody, and he just said that. Uh, my favorite thing he said was he said that miracles were orientation points in people's lives. They were milestones that people used to measure the rest of their lives. So it was exactly. before the accident, after the accident, mm-hmm. or before the birth. You know, like that it made marks in their lives from which, um, like time was measured. Yes,
3: very I well. Thought that was interesting. I like that.
2: What yeah. Do you, what do you want people to get from this exhibit?
3: Um, I think that Ken mentioned gratitude, mm-hmm. and that is definitely something we would like them to get. And I think also I would say that the installation is as much about connection and empathy as it is about raising questions about the miraculous. I want you know, we, we want people to connect to those other people telling the stories and to feel... Um, empathy towards them but also to their own adversities or overcoming of adversities in their own life
2: and uh, for people that can't go see this exhibit do you have any kind of uh youtube channel or anything where they could actually see something online
3: we are actually right now working on a pretty extensive website with the asu art museum oh good um and it's going to be an interactive website where you can hear a lot of the stories and there will be documentation of the installation, but it will also be documentation of the interviews. So that, it's going to be a little while before that's up, but um, probably the end of the spring, I would say.
2: Do you have anything else that you're planning on doing based on, you know, what came about
3: from this project? Anything else in the pipeline?
0: Neither has anything direct. Mm-hmm.
3: Related think. to this. I mean, in some ways this project was an anomaly for both of us. It was an anomaly for us to Collaborate. We don't usually do that. Um, it was, it, the medium was very different. I mean, this yes. this installation looks very different from either of our work. Mm-hmm. But it was, it kind of was something we, we needed to do and needed to do together. So I'm not sure what the next, um, you know, what what the next incarnation of this is. This, But I'm excited about the website as something that's, that's
1: going to
3: kind of live on, you know, give these stories a life.
2: I'm smiling because I'm thinking, well, do you even want to work together again?
3: <laughs> no, oh, yeah. I, you know, no, some
2: people, you know, they work together and go, no, I, I love you, but I don't know. Um, I, you know what I mean? You no,
3: know, we we worked together really well. That's we, great. We, I absolutely, we would absolutely work together again. I mean, we have such different
2: Styles, yeah.
3: Styles mm-hmm. and ways of interacting with people. So it, yeah. it was really good to work
2: together.
0: Yeah, right. we complemented each other really well.
3: That's what I was going to say, because you have yep. different
2: strengths and you bring that to the table, and, which is, makes for a very interesting exhibit.
0: Yep, it also meant that we knew where to step back and let the other person take over. <laughs>
2: no, that's good. <laughs> which helps. That, that, that does help. Yep. Um, do you have a website or something you want for people to follow up on what you're doing and also the website that will come down the road?
3: Uh, yes, we both have websites for our artwork. Individual websites. Just uh, mine is myname.com, dot com, think. dot com.
0: Yeah, mine is kenlandauer.com. dot com. Wonderful. Um, there was one more thing that I w- yes. that's on my mind about the miracles is that there was a whole philosophical discussion going on about whether you sh- you receive miracles if you're a good person and and whether you're rewarded or not, and it was philosophical and religious. And at the very end, we had a Sufi woman come in, her name was Samia, and she just collapsed all those dualisms and said, you know, sometimes you just don't get a miracle because the gods are challenging you, Mm -hmm. and they're testing you, and sometimes you get it as a challenge also to see if you become arrogant, and it really doesn't, there's no meaning about being good or bad or something like that, if you get them, and that was, it was really nice to have her collapse everything, it was kind of towards the end, and so that there wasn't this feeling like i'm being punished or i'm being rewarded
3: right i
2: like
1: that
0: i like that yeah well i
3: want yeah, to and, go ahead oh i was just going to say that the um, we asked people their stories but we also asked people what they thought a miracle was so you know there's such a we and we put all of those viewpoints in one many of those viewpoints in one video that's on the outside of the installation so you can kind of listen to some of the um, some of the ideas People had such different ideas about what they thought a miracle was. So,
2: Such an interesting exhibit. I want to thank you so much for calling into the show.
0: Thank you.
3: Oh, yeah, we're so happy thank to. Thanks
0: for Part of the purpose us. of it was just to have conversations and to raise conversations, and this is this is just perfect.
2: This is wonderful. I want to thank you. Julianne and Ken, thanks so much for joining us, and I'll have this up on my blog, getthefunkoutshow.kuci.org, probably about 11 o'clock. Okay. Great. Right. Thanks, have a Thank wonderful you so
1: day. Much. Bye-bye. Okay, Bye. bye-bye.
2: Those were artists Julianne Swartz and Ken Landauer calling in from New York to talk about their exhibit, Miracle Report, which was featured in the OC Register, uh, which was actually on exhibit at the Grand Central Arts Center in Santa Ana. Again, it'll be up this whole interview, and all more information will be up on my blog, getthefunkoutshow.kuci.org. There is info up there now, but the interview will be up, yeah, probably about 11 o'clock. We're going to take a quick break, and then we're going to be joined by Kirsten Rogers, the founder of Chemo Bites. She's got a great story to tell about uh, she's fighting cancer with great food, one snack and one recipe at a time. We'll be back in just a bit.